Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. This is a very important year in your life. Can somebody say amen to that? He said, well, Pastor, why is this a big year in my life? It's a big year in our lives as a family of God at Calvary. Can you believe this is year number 40? It's a big year. It's a prophetic year. We look in Scripture, the year 40 uh, has, has a powerful meaning. It's a transition year. How many ready to transition into your biggest promises? Let me hear you say amen. Come on, listen. I'm not just making this up. This is God's Word. It's the year to transition into a new season. 40 is when God's people had prepared and were ready for fulfillment, ready for promise, ready for a shifting, ready to move into what he's been preparing you for. How many have been under construction for a while? Come on, tell me the truth. How many are thankful that God saved you just like you were? Come on, man. How many of you were a bit of a mess when he saved you? Let's be honest. How many had some baggage? (laughs) How many are thankful it's in the past? How many are thankful we didn't put your life up on the screen today before you knew Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So I'm thankful he saved me just like I was. But you know what else I'm thankful for? He loved me too much to leave me like that. Oh, man, aren't you thankful that he saved us just like we were, but he loved us too much to leave us in that condition? So, you know, we're under construction, we're growing, we're moving. There's a theological term that's used. The Bible uses the term justified. When you're saved uh, and accept Christ as your Savior, no matter where you've been, what you've done, what's going on, the Bible says in that moment you're justified. You're accepted like you'd never sinned. Come on, is that good? God looks at you like you'd never been there. And then there's another word uh, after justification. It's called sanctification. Anybody ever heard that word? Sanctification. You don't hear it much in the church anymore. I guess because not many people are sanctified. So we don't like to talk about it in the modern church. <laughs> we just talk about grace nowadays. We don't talk about sanctification. Anybody want to know what sanctification is? Sanctification is the process that starts the moment you get saved. And it means that every day, if we're following the Holy Spirit, not by our own strength or ability, but because of our relationship with Him, day by day, we're becoming more and more like Jesus. How many are like that? Sanctification is the lifelong process of becoming more and more like Christ, of walking away from the old man and coming into the new man. I'm thankful for that. It's good. It's better. It's life at the highest level. And then there's a third word called glorification. Glorification means When you step into heaven, no matter where you are in the process of God sanctifying you, in heaven, we're there. We're we're glorified. We have no more sin, no more fallacies, no more shortcomings. We're in the presence of God. We're perfect in that moment. How many are looking forward to glorification? Oh, come on. But right now, God's working with it. It's a beautiful thing. It's not something that's hard and labor and legalism and ritual and religion. Sanctification. This journey of life is God's process. You know, John the, uh, John the Baptist said it this way, I must decrease so he can increase. And see, there's the goal. It's a beautiful thing that God does. So, so you see, this 40 is one of those pivotal moments where God's been working and getting you ready. For better things. Do you know God's always preparing greater things for us? Did you know that? How many know that today? You know, Ephesians 3.20 says that he is, God is able to do exceeding 
and abundantly above all we could ask or imagine? That right now, do you know God's plans for you are better than your plans for you? Wow. Anybody hear that? You're right now, God's purposes for you are greater than you even know about. You can't even think of it. Well, how do we get there, Pastor? Walking with him day by day. Walking with him in this incredible journey. And he does it according to his power working in us. So this 40 is a big deal. And it's a big deal not just because a number, it's God's timing, it's prophetic. But let me give you some good news. Because you're part of the Calvary family... And, and this 40-year plan has been working with God. Maybe you haven't been from the beginning. Not everybody has. In fact, as we go through these next few weeks, we're going to begin to honor and celebrate. Some, we, do you know we got some 40-year folks here at Calvary? Can you say amen to that? How awesome is that? You know, we've got some that were right there day one when we started. We honor them. Man, do I honor them. You, you, you know, they took a step of faith with me. Woo. I was 25 years old. When I planted this church, became this pastor. Come on, anybody that'll trust a 25-year-old to start a church and be their pastor, there's some men and women of faith in the house. Come on, somebody, somebody celebrate with me. I mean, let's thank God for those pioneers. Listen, if I would have known then what I know now about pastoring, I'd have been way too scared to get started. But I just said yes to God. Isn't God good to us, huh? And so, so this, say, you know, maybe you haven't been on the journey from the beginning. But see, this 40 thing's amazing because it's prophetic. Because it's God's timing. See, the, the, the New Testament uses two words translated time in English. One is chronos, which just means time. Seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months. You got just time. Just marking time. Just day, just chronologically. But the other word's kairos. And that word time is not just any time. It's a God-appointed time. How many understand that? It's not just any other day. It's a day. It's not just any other season. It's a season ordained by God. This is a kairos year. And because it's a kairos year for this church, it's a kairos year for you because we're the church. And you see, there's something I call anointing by association. Blessed by belonging. See, God said to Abram in, in Genesis 12, he said, Abram, I'm tell you what I'm going to do. I want to start right where you are, and I'm going to bless you. Listen to this. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. And I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to be a blessing to the earth. So you know what happens? When we connect with that which God is blessing, that blessing comes on us. Wow. See, because we're associated, blessed, connected here, this 40-year Kairos year is on you and your family. Can somebody say amen to that? So, so you know, Israel kind of ran in a circle for 40 years. Okay, don't put your hand up, but uh, has life ever made you kind of run in some circles? <laughs> have, have you had some years where you just completed a lap and came to the end of the year and said, my goodness, I'm right where I started? Anybody ever had a year at the end of the year you said, man, I'm behind where I started last year? Okay, don't, don't raise your hand or point at people, all right? Has life ever put you in some, some circles, some laps? You know, you, you know, we've had some of those times in life. But I have some good news for you today. I have some good news for us, Calvary family. We may have run some laps and made some circles, and maybe you could have been here a little sooner. How many hear what I'm saying? Maybe you could have gotten in the kingdom sooner than you did. Maybe you wasted some years you shouldn't have wasted. But the good news is you're here right now. And God's ordained this moment and brought us to a Kairos moment. And, and I'm excited about what God's going to do. When Israel was finally ready to go in, 
into the promised land? This was their mindset. You need to read this chapter this week. How many are connecting with this? I'm wanting you to see this 40. How many are getting the 40 thing I'm telling you right now? This is just my introduction to the message, all right? I'm just trying to get us there. How many are getting 40? You getting the power of this 40 thing? All right, well, here's, so, so what do we do? Israel had gone for 40 years and finally said, God says, you know, let, let's get in. Let's go on. Let's, let's move this thing forward. Let's see the promises come to pass. So he said, Joshua... This is the mindset. This is how people act, think, react, and live their life if it's time that they really get the 40, okay? So three times in Joshua 1, you need to read that chapter this week. Three times in Joshua 1, he said, here's what you have to do. You've got to be strong and courageous. This is a season for bold, strong, courageous people. How many hear what I'm telling you? Thank you for those three people. There are more holy grunts than amens in the house just then. You need to look at somebody. Listen, somebody needs to go old school. You need to look at somebody right now and go, well, come on, go ahead. Somebody needs to wake up and act right. All right, let me, let, me, let me help you again. You see, here's what happens to us when you've been in a pandemic. When we've dealt with all the issues going on in America, the enemy wants the church to be passive and reactive. He wants us to dig down a hole and hide in the hole. He wants us to distance and separate and isolate. Everybody with me? That's that's the mindset. He wants you to get to a survivor mindset, not an overcomer mindset. He wants you to get into a better hold on to what I've got because I don't know how long it's going to last mindset. Instead of someone that says the greatest days of my life are looking me right in the eyeball. The greatest moment for my family is looking me right in the eyeball. The devil may be howling in my ears and knocking on my door, but the Holy Spirit's about to answer that knock, and my family's about to go into a new season. See, it's a time to be strong and courageous. He told him that three times. Why? Because when you get ready to move out of where you've been into a season of 40, the enemies are still present. So he said, don't be terrified, or you're listening to what I'm telling you, it's either to move from where you've been into your 40 doesn't mean the enemies that are gone. Listen, it means that you have a new anointing to destroy all those enemies that are in front of you, and God's going to show you how big he is by the enemies you defeat. So if you and I are waiting on the enemies to leave, we're never going to have a 40 moment. How many heard what I just said? If you're going to say, I'm just going to stay home and hide till the enemies are gone, you're never going to get your 40. Do you know there have been a lot of people standing on the verge of a breakthrough and misunderstood it because they saw an enemy standing in front of them? If you need to understand this, this is why he told them three times, be strong and courageous because the enemies will always stand in front of your 40 season. But the word of God is... I'm going to bring glory to my name. I'm going to show you who I am by what I do with those enemies standing in front of your fort. It's time to defeat your enemies. Can somebody say amen to that? It's time to become proactive, not reactive in your life. All right, I'm just trying to help us get the moment. We run through life and miss our moments. We run through appointed times with God. If, if you're not careful, you miss what you've been praying for. How many heard what I just said? You miss what you've been praying for. Sometimes it's right in front of us. And if we're not listening to the Holy Spirit, if we're not understanding the times, we miss what God has right in front of us. 
So I want you to turn with me. <clears throat> Let's go to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 41. Acts 2.41. Now I'm going to begin a series today called 2.42. Someone say 2.42. 2.42. But I'm going to give you a little prelude with 2.41. All right. So let's go to Acts 2.41 and then we'll read 2.42. So, so here's the point. Here's the point. I, what are we going to learn in these next few weeks? So what does a church do? What is the expectation? What is the response of a church that believes they're at a Kairos moment? That understands what's going on around them. That understand what the word of God says above what the word of man is saying. A church that's able to discern and walk in the spirit instead of in the flesh. A people who are learning who they are and who their God is in them. And why they're on the earth for this moment. How many hear what I'm saying? Okay. They begin to have a sense of destiny and purpose in their life. Instead of routine and drudgery, there begins to be a sense of purpose and destiny. How do we respond? How do we position ourselves? What, what did this church do immediately with this phenomenal outpouring, this unprecedented move of the Holy Spirit? What happened to them? What was the result of that? Uh, uh, so let's look at verse 41 of Acts 2. <clears throat> Acts 2, 41. Those who accepted his message, Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. I mean, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and turns into a preacher. Come on, somebody say amen to that. How many understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, will turn a backslider into a prophet? How many understand you get filled with the Holy Spirit and your weakness and fear will be filled with power and anointing to do the will of God? How many want the power and the anointing? How many want the, the presence of God to overcome any sin and weakness? See, our problem is not that we have too much flesh. It's that we don't have enough spirit. <laughs> See, the church tried to get people to live right and act right by legalism. But how you live right and act right is being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, your life will line up with the Word of God. If you want to stop walking in the flesh, you just start walking in the Spirit. <laughs> okay. So, so, so watch what happened. Here's this amazing move of God. Those who accepted His message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is stunning. There, there, there were <laughs> zero Christians, no Christians. There were 120 people in the upper room. They encounter Jesus. Peter stands up, newly anointed in the field of the Holy Spirit, and preaches that 3,000 people get saved. Now, I want you to understand this. Let, let's take our, you know, little religious glasses off and look at this thing. They, they honestly, <laughs> they had a holy mess on their hands. Okay? Everybody's, oh, 3,000 saved. What are you going to do with those people? Where in the world they all come from? What is God going to do? How do you react? We keep praying for revival. I wonder how many churches would want the revival if God sent it. Y'all are quieter than usual today. Kind of nudge a person next to you. Tell them, I know it's rainy outside, but let's get this thing. All right. Okay. So, 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 you know, a lot of people praying for revival. What would we do if he sent it on this level? What would you do next Sunday if you came and you didn't have a parking place? Well, I'm just going to go down to the other church. What do you mean? I've been going to this church. and You know, should I say that? Yeah, why not? I've been going to this church and paying my tithe. Like that? 
what do you mean paying your tithe? That's not membership dues. When it leaves your hand, it goes to the Lord. I have people ask, what do you mean? This isn't a Fortune 500 club. We're stockholders. Don't stare at me like that. This is the Lord's house. Everything I give is his. I take my hand off. There's no strings attached. Anybody going to shout or you understand what I'm saying? What do you mean I've been going to church paying my tithe there? I've been paying my tithe there longer than anybody in this house. It's about 10 people. I don't know who they are. And I don't own a chair here. This microphone on my face isn't mine. Only thing up here is mine is my clothes and my Bible. Everybody good? <laughs> Did I set you free from some churchianity just then? We're just stewards of this. It all belongs to him. Okay. All right. Just so we're good. So what happens here? So we, we come to this place and we say, God, send a revival. What would happen the next week you came in you couldn't sit down? Would you shout or huff? I'd get enough money to buy one of those chairs. Why can't I sit in it? Who are all these new people around here? Who let them in our club? I mean, me and my family come here every Sunday, and I came in this Sunday. I couldn't even sit down. It was the strangest bunch of people I ever saw in my life. They didn't smell like they had a bath. They had some tattoos that had nasty words on them. They had holes stuck in their body in places I didn't know you could stick something. Their hair looked like they fell in the paint store at Lowe's and couldn't get up. They didn't even have a Bible. Couldn't even find Genesis. I'm not going to let my kids be around them. Just preaching. 3,000. What in the world you do with 3,000 ex-heathens, idol-worshiping, atheists, witchcraft, can't speak my language? Think about that. What do you do with 3,000 people that can't even talk to each other? Gee. Difference. Okay. Have I got your attention yet? Okay. All right. So, so what do you do? I'm glad you asked that. We go to Acts 2.42. How many believe God's going to send revival to America? How many still want to be in a revival if you sense it? How many let somebody that just got jerked out of hell sit in your seat one Sunday so we can buy another seat? <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, we will. This is his church. He can do what he wants to with it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what do you do? So I'm excited about this because I believe God wants to do these kind of things. I believe he's the same God. So what do you do? Look at Acts 2.42. It's amazing to me. Instantly, immediately, God began to give structure and priority and purpose and channels for this Holy Spirit power to flow through. Are you with me? Okay, verse 42. They devoted themselves. The King James says, they continued steadfastly to what? The apostles' teaching, that's God's word, to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. There were four things in Acts 2.42 that, that literally became the expression of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
What God was doing, this miracle, this revival, this harvest that began with 3,000 people, how did they respond? What did they do? What was the pattern that the Holy Spirit established? I believe God wants to do the same thing right now. Anybody with me can say amen to me. Okay. All right. So let's keep reading. So what? So, so the power of the Holy Spirit is there. God moves miraculously. People are baptized in the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people are saved. Mass water baptism happens. And now here are all these brand new soaking wet tongue-talking Christians. What are we going to do with them? We're going to devote ourselves to the Word of God. We're going to devote ourselves to fellowship. We're going to break bread together. And brother, we're going to pray all the time. We're going to pray. What happened then? Okay, verse 43. Everyone, see, nobody's left out of this move of God. Say everyone. Everyone was filled with awe. I want to see awe return to the church of Jesus. Filled with awe. Why? Why? And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The only reason the church would say that these miracles, signs, and wonders do not happen is because man doesn't want to see them happen. Because they are bigger than us and out of our control. So let's keep reading. All the believers were together and had everything in common. There was a unity that was amazing. But listen to me. It was a Holy Spirit unity, not a man-forced unity. Are you with me? Now, verse 45. Selling their possessions and goods. This language here, if you study it in almost every translation, says, as the need arose, when it was necessary, they would even sell their own possessions and goods and give to anyone as he had need. They didn't build a commune. Everybody didn't go sell their house and their land and they moved in some little place. The goal was never hide out from the world. The goal was be the light of the world. Be the salt of the earth. Are you with me? What we're seeing here, it's never been God's design for the church to run over in a corner and hide. It's always been we love each other enough. If you've got a need, I'm going to help you with this. But we're here for the world to see Jesus. Are you with me? Okay. Every day they continued to meet together. What was the pattern? They met where? In the temple courts. And then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart. So we're seeing what 242 produced. Are you with me? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now that's something that needs to shift in our nation. For some reason, I don't really see the church enjoying the favor of all the people in this country. It's maligned and, and rebuked and misunderstood, maybe because the church has done a terrible job of telling and living the truth, and the devil's done a great job of telling a lie. And right now, America's believing the lie instead of the truth. But there's a solution to that. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, watch this, the bottom line. Someone say bottom line. Bottom line. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Man, what a pattern. So 242, 242. I want you to see this flow, this life, this spirit-filled, life-filled church that was birthed supernaturally in Acts 2 began to function, flow, follow a divine pattern that allowed the Holy Spirit to continue to be released. How do you, 
how do you disciple, maintain, minister to 3,000 people being saved at a time? We just read about it right there. In other words, God has a supernatural order that when we follow it will allow us to have a harvest of any size. Can somebody say amen to that? We, we can minister to whatever God wants to do. And so <clears throat> let's look at verse 42. They devoted themselves. They continued steadfastly. L- l- listen to the, 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 meaning, the synonyms, the meanings of that devoted, continued steadfastly. Listen to this. To give oneself continually. To give oneself continually. To persevere. To be courageous for. Wow. To be courageous for. To be in constant readiness. So, so these things that we're reading here, I want you to get the feel of this church family. Is, is, or, or is something that they gave themselves to. They persevered in this. When, when, when this move of the Holy Spirit, when this new life came to them, when this empowerment of the Holy Spirit came to them, everybody hearing what I'm saying? It shifted their priorities. It gave direction to their energies. It caused them to say, this is what I'm devoted to. This is the priority of my life. This is my compass, my north star, my bearing, my, my guide. This is how I do what I do. Are you with me? They persevered in that. So, so what was the first thing? Uh, I, I'm going to focus. I'm just going to hit it quick because there's, there's a couple things I want to focus on for these next two weeks here. All right? But what, what was it? They, they were committed. I want you to get this, this phrase in your spirit, in your thinking. The apostles' teaching. What is that? The word of God. Here's the word I want you to get. In that church, they had a word culture. Word culture. Say that with me. Word culture. A word culture. What does that mean? It means that this transforming work of the Holy Spirit in their life caused them to see, hear me church, we're tripping over the very basics building churches in America today. They they understood instinctively we're going to have to adopt a word culture. Why? Well, it's the only, word, it's the only culture that was going to work for them. Because you've got 3,000 people from every country in the known world sitting in the house. Are you with me? Every culture you can imagine, different races, different culture, different traditions, different family systems. Are you with me? Different religious backgrounds. Now you tell me how you're going to get a consensus out of that. There's only one way. We agree together that above my culture, above my tradition, above my religion. Anybody with me in the house right now? Above my family. Above where I've been is the word of God. And if we can agree on the word, we can agree. Can anybody be with me right now? So you understand They had a word culture. It was the only hope for them. It's the only hope in America today that we have a word culture. You see, it was not a... When when they taught the apostles' teaching, listen to me. They didn't teach politics. They taught the word. They didn't teach current events. They taught the word. They didn't teach psychology. They taught the word. They didn't teach self-help. They taught the Word. Anybody with me right now? See, if you want to read self-help, it's good. But I'm going to preach the Word. 
If you want counseling, good. We'll have some people help you. But I'm not going to counsel you. I'm going to preach a word. Are you with me? See, it was not a man-centered message. It was a Christ-centered message. It was a word culture. If we try to build a church that can hold a move of God with anything other than a commitment to a word culture, we're not going to get to the end result of God. We have to understand that. That it's the word. It's a word culture. The way I think, the way I react, my attitude, my, my, my life, the way I live, it has to be based on the word of God. Anybody still with me in this right now? See, I want you to go to Romans 12 and turn to verse 9. Let me just give you a, for instance, what is what does a word culture do? Romans 12, verse 9. Paul was teaching it as he's working to this definition, this explanation of what word culture does. He'd already told them to begin that chapter in view of God's mercy. Anybody thankful for the mercy of God today? Man, I'm thankful for the mercy of God. In view of God's mercy, here's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to present to him my body. I'm supposed to say, here I am. Anybody with me today? He didn't say present to him my Sunday. He said present to him myself in view of the mercy of God. And then he says, uh, which is my spiritual act of worship. Now, I know I'm really pressing buttons today, but how many are going to stay with me till we get to the end of Thank you for those. What about everybody else? You're going to stay with me. All right. So, see, see, we think worship is giving him my Sunday morning. My spiritual act of worship is not just what I do on my calendar. It's what I do with my life. Everybody with me? Okay. So he says, which is your spiritual act of worship? The King James translation says, that's your reasonable service. Somewhere (laughs) over the years, what is the expected reasonable act of worship has become the abnormal in the modern church. Okay, then he says this, and then he says in verse 2, Romans 12. I'm getting to 12, 9, all right? Verse 2, he says, and be not conformed to the pattern of this world. The picture is of a press making a mold. See, he says, and do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't allow the world's peer pressure to press you into a figure that doesn't look like Jesus. Everybody with me? So he says, so, and don't be conformed to this world. I'm trying to help you. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we can go into a building and go through the ritual and do our Sunday thing and maybe never even get what the church is all about. Because if I'm coming to God in my own way, in, 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 in a form that the world has pressed me in, I'm going to miss some things. He said, I, don't, I, I need to be transformed. When my mind changes, when my thinking changes, because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what I'm telling you. Are you with me? Not by some possible attitude class. But when my mind has been transformed. When my thinking has shifted, when my perspective of life is transformed, then I'm going to be able to be used of God in an incredible way. Life's going to change for me. So my thinking has to change. I can't do that in my own ability. How many are thankful God can change your mind? 
Now, the word says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. To be perfectly honest, wouldn't it really be better for us, as messed up as our minds are? I wish it said, we are transformed by the removing of your mind. How many honest folks in the house? Wouldn't you just like the lobotomy? Let's take that one out because it's a mess. Come on, tell the truth. Let's put the new one back in there. Well, God's doing that (laughs) if we'll allow him to. So now, when you get there, when you're getting there, then Romans 12, 9 starts happening. Are you with me? Let's look at it. I'm going to read a few verses about a word culture, word culture, how we treat each other, how we respond to each other. Are you with me? How we think about each other. Okay? Love must be sincere. Sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Look at verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Wow. Honor one another above yourselves. How do we think? How do we think? What does life look like to us? Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. Look at verse 13. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those. Now, here we go. Now, here we go. Here we go. Here we're finding out, have I been transformed? (laughs) Everybody with me today? This is where the church becomes a church. Listen to me. This is where our witness begins to change the world. I'm running out of time. i got to hurry and get there. Now watch this. Watch, 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 watch. Bless those who persecute you. Okay. How are we going to say this? Is what you're reading or the conversations you're engaging in Is the information you're absorbing through Facebook and online creating this response in you or not? Is what you're feeding and connected to producing this response in you or excusing you to act outside the culture of the word? Particularly with the people that aren't like you. Everybody with me? (laughs) All right. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. That means we're not very revengeful. Okay, let me keep reading. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. (laughs) One translation literally says, be willing to do menial tasks. (laughs) Okay, I, I don't have to say anything. Do not be conceited. Has my mind been renewed? 
Or am I just getting what Jesus will give me? <laughs> is my faith just enough for me to receive from me and mine? Or am I being transformed by my encounter with the Holy Spirit? Is he changing me from me to him? Am I moving from glory to glory, from faith to faith? Is my walk encountering his presence and it's changing me, shifting me? Anybody with me in the house right now? Oh, come on. Look at verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. There are going to be some people who do bad things. But in a word culture... My response, listen, is not mandated by their response. What I do isn't because of what they did. How I respond to the injustice of my life is not dictated by the world, but by the word. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Now look at verse 18. He says... He says, I get this, folks. There's some people who are just tough. They don't want to be at peace. Okay? He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, I can't make everybody else act right. I can't change everybody, but if what I'm going to do, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace. Verse 19. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. <laughs> oh, boy. I just need to keep moving. Do you know that we keep getting in the way of what God's trying to do to help you get out of the thing that other people did to you? Do you know just about the time when God's going to do something to help you out and move them out of your way? You run right in the middle and block it because you're taking revenge and trying to act like God? Do you know the blessing that God's wanting to send you because people were wrong that you're not going to get it because you're trying to do it yourself with man's ability? Do you know if we would have a word culture that every injustice and misdeed and wrong that was done to you, God will repay you, not what some man will do. Leave him some room. I can see God. <laughs> you know those people you've been praying? You've been praying, God, just get them. <laughs> just get them, God. You know what? If God would answer that prayer, half of us would be dead. You know why? Because that lightning bolt you're praying to hit them, you're running right in the way of it, trying to get them yourself. The mercy of God kept you alive that he didn't answer all those prayers you prayed. Somebody's got to say it. It's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. <laughs> I'm meddling too much today. <laughs> but you know, some of those people you're praying, God, get them. What if they're praying, God, get you? Anyway, let's just keep reading. <laughs> On the contrary... In the word culture, any word culture folks in the house? Anybody believe 242 works in 2021? Huh. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. Jesus. Woo. 
If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you heap burning coals on his head. You realize why you've had the same enemies for so long? Because you've been doing what they've been doing. You've been acting like they've been acting. You've been saying what they say. Now, you're a Christian, so you dress it up a little bit. You smile at their face, but you cuss them at their back. Smile at her face. And all the way out. But you know what would happen? Maybe the reason we have too many enemies is that we haven't fed them and gave them something to drink. You know what I found out? Enemies don't know how to handle that. Ungodly people don't know how to respond to this kind of thing. And we may just have a witness who may just win them to the Lord. And we may just find that Saul who's breathing out threats, throwing the church in jail, might just have an encounter with Jesus and become a mighty apostle. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, now, listen, go back to Acts 2.42 very quickly, and I preached that part too long. Help me, Lord. Acts 2.42. We got to wind it up. Go back to 2.42. Here's what I want you to see. Somebody say word culture. Word culture. We need a word culture. But here's, here's what I want to focus on. I want you to see this. Are you with Acts 2.42? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, word culture. Say it again. Say word culture. And to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now watch. Watch, watch, watch. Real quickly, we've got to sum this up. Worship team, come and join me. But I'm going to preach 15 minutes and two minutes right now. You ready? Okay. So here's this dynamic outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Revival, awakening, outpouring. And, and, and as God did that, he gave, there were four channels that allowed this anointing to be effective. Not just one hit and splash, but continue to work. The Word of God, prayer, fellowship, breaking of bread. Now, we often understand in our church setting, listen to me church, the Word of God and prayer. But we stumble over fellowship and breaking of bread. Now listen to me. How did the expression, how did the result of being a word culture, think of everything we just read in Romans 12. Remember it? We just read it. Think of all those things in Romans 12. Okay. How do you do that? Where does that happen? Where does my word culture and my prayer life find an expression? Where does the gospel get some skin on it? Where do we begin to honor one another above ourselves? Love each other with sincerity. Everybody with me? If we do not walk in fellowship and breaking of bread, then we rob the opportunity of what God is doing to express itself. Everybody with me? And so there was this rhythm, this Holy Spirit rhythm that was launched. Listen. Where they gathered in the temple intentionally. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? They gathered in the temple. They were to corporately get together. 
Gathering is godly. Listen, do you hear what your pastor just said? Gathering is word culture. Gathering is who we are and what we do. They intentionally gathered, right? And then they intentionally shared that gathering in small settings. It was not either or. It was not, well, I'm doing the big, I don't need to do the small. Or what we hear some today, well, we, I don't need to go to the gathering because I've got the small. It was both. There was a Holy Spirit rhythm, listen to me, church, in Acts 2.42 that shook the world. That turned 3,120 into 5,000. We read through the first five chapters that God added to the church. We get to Acts chapter 6 and he said he multiplied the church. Wow. Four plus four is eight. Four times four is 16. How many hear what I'm saying? And so what happens, Calvary family, we have to re-examine our commitment to revival and awakening, to signs, wonders, and miracles, to people being saved every day. And we have to understand, 242 tells me that I, I have to have a word culture in my church and in my home and in my life. I have to have a prayer culture in my church, in my home, in my life. But if those two things are happening, the expression of that culture is that we meet. The Bible has over 60 one another's we're supposed to do. Everybody listening to me? Everybody listening? 60 one another's. And most of them you can't do till you get with one another. And so, why were people one daily to the Lord? Because they saw the way that church operated. And here's one I want to end. It's in John uh, 13. If you put this up, my last scripture. Listen to this. Jesus said this. I want you to get what he says. It's the only time he gave the world the right to judge us. There it is. Look at this. A new command I give you, love one another. Love one another. How? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Look at verse 35. By this, now leave this up. Everyone will know that you're my disciples. The only right he gave the world to judge the church, listen to me, is how we love each other. The only one, now listen to me. This might rattle you a little bit because we're in outreach, feed the hungry. You know, we're, we're out there. We're on the front lines of Calvary. All right. He didn't say they'll know you're a Christian by the way we love the lost. And we love lost people. Not what he said. Not what he said. The measure of our authenticity, the measure of our authenticity is not if we love the lost. It's do we love each other. That's what Jesus said. We preach it every other way. Now, we love the lost. It's not either or, but our acid test. Your card care, not your Calvary membership card, which we've never given one, but your Jesus card. Your proof. Why were people one every day to Christ? You listen to me. Because they watched those people love each other. And they said, I need that in my life. I need a family. You know what they said? I need a place at the table. Remember last Sunday? They said, I want to sit down at that table. I'd like to be loved like that. I'm going to tell you, we're going to learn some things here. Would you stand with me? Don't leave. Just stand. We're going to learn some things here that are going to revolutionize 
the way we think about church, the way we think about each other. How many take the journey with me? Come on, let me see your hand. How many said, Pastor, let's get this. Let's get this. I'm going to tell you, this is what you do to make your 40 count. We get the word. By the way we love each other, by the way we love each other, love can't be a theory. Love has to be an action. Did you get me? Love's not love till you do something with it. Love's not love until you do something with it. I'm going to start right here next week. Oh, I'm going to tell you, it's powerful. It's dynamic. They will know that you belong to me by the way you love one another. Isn't it amazing that in our fractured relationship world, the thing we need on the deepest level is relationship, and yet most of us are afraid to try it. <laughs> it's okay. God's going to help us. Church family, listen to your pastor today. There's room at the table for everyone. But you need to go sit down at that table with somebody. <laughs> you need to go sit down at the table. He said, Mephibosheth, you go eat with my sons. I'm going to bring you in my house. We're going to sit down at my table. We're going to make this thing real. We're going to be legit. We're going to love each other to such a way that people will look and say, man, I'd like to be in that place. I'd love to sit down at that table. I'd love to be loved like that. I want somebody to do that. Hey, let's get out of the theory and get in reality of what it means to love Jesus. Everybody with me right now? Come on, church family. I want us to pray. Come on right now. Father God, we come to you. And we ask you, Lord, to come meet us today in this moment. We ask you, Lord, to come in this moment and cause us to see what matters to you. To prioritize what you prioritize. To love what you love. Cling to what you cling to. Allow you to do this work in us that is so powerful. It changes the world around us. Lord, we're excited. What a moment. What an opportunity, God. What a flow of your Holy Spirit. God, the world sees you as they see you living in us. Loving in us. Working in us. Powerful in us, God. We're thankful for that today. God, we're excited to have a revisit, a revelation, a new insight to this power of your church. Lord, you said when we gather, there you are in the midst of him. When we get together, there's something that happens. You value gathering so much that you said, I'm going to do something special when it happens. Father, we thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.